Uh, today's one of those messages where um, the title of this message was supposed to go with completely different notes that God had given me. Um, and I'm in the middle of securing and finishing up that message. And I stumble upon this passage of scripture that we're going to look at today. And God's like, no, once again, Craig, all of that was just for you. I know that all looks a little cuter and, and fancier, but you've got to let me work through this Psalm, uh, Psalm 116, as we look at that today. I want to say this as we get started. You know, it's really easy to have faith when everything's going good, isn't it? It's really easy. It's really easy to refer to the fact that you're like, hey, you know what, I got such faith. But listen, when your faith is tested and tried, that's when you find out where you really are. We have to figure out how to still have the same faith in the midst of our troubles as we claim to have when we aren't as deep in those struggles. Today, God has simply led me to, to reflect with you on a powerful psalm. This psalm was written by a man named David, who the Bible says, um, while he was full of imperfections, uh, he was a man after God's own heart. David was a man who dealt with countless troubles in his life, and yet David saw God's hand of, of gracious deliverance every single time and at every point in his life. Maybe you're in a season, maybe you're in a, in a, in a time right now where you can't see beyond where you are, and you need to learn what David learned, and that is that God is going to take you through where you are and beyond where you are. So this psalm is more, uh, it is David reflecting on days gone by where trouble was great and where his life was actually at stake and threatened. He's reflecting on those times, but guess what? How many of you know as long as you're living, you're, you're, you're seeing trials, you're seeing troubles? So not only is he reflecting on what God's done in the past, he's doing so so that he can be confident in the present and in the future with the faith that he had learned by seeing firsthand God's faithfulness. So I want to open up with prayer before we dive into this psalm. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear God, open our ears that we might hear what you want us to hear. Open our eyes that we might see what you want us to see. And open our hearts that we might receive what it is that you would have us to receive today. For it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. I'm going to read straight through this psalm. It's the only scripture that we're going to uh, cover this entire time together. Look with me, if you will. Psalm 116. Psalm 116. David says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. By the way, how many of you know sometimes you're so thick in it, all you see is trouble, all you see is sorrow. Verse four says, then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. How kind the Lord is, how good he is, so merciful, this God of ours. The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death, but he saved me. Let my soul be at rest again, for the Lord has been good to me. He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. And so I walk 
in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. He says this to the Lord, I believe in you. So I said, I am deeply troubled, Lord. In my anxiety, I cried out to you. These people are all liars. What can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of my salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. The Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. Oh Lord, I am your servant. Yes, I am your servant. Born into your household, you have freed me from my chains. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all of his people, in the house of the Lord, in the heart of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to kind of help you see how concise this message is going to be, regardless of how many things you see and blanks there on your, your worship guide. We're going to look at two things that we discover here in Psalm 116. We're going to look at seven things that God does for us. It's not everything God's done for us, but it's seven things that David realizes that, he, that God has done and does for his children. And then we're going to look at seven things that we should do in response to what God has done. So let's look. Letter A, what does God do for us? Number one, God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. I've had many a person say, well, well, pastor, I don't feel like God's hearing my prayers. That's never the case. God may not be responding the way you want, and he might not respond when you want. Some people go, well, you know what? Um, uh, I'm sure God has other things of greater importance than hearing my prayers. That's what's so amazing about God. He is able to be all things to all people at all times. Listen, in Christ, we have this privilege, the Bible says, not only to be called children of God, but to come to God as his children anytime, anywhere. You always in Christ, you have 24-7 access even if you can't talk to a soul, even if nobody else can help you, God is there. He hears your voice. Listen, he hears your prayer for mercy. But secondly, God shows goodness, kindness, and mercy. Sometimes people don't feel like God loves them because of the things that he's allowed to take place in their life. And I don't have a way of, of, of explaining away the different things that maybe you faced. You know, life is constantly full of of. Of, of lemons and, 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 uh, and things that you just wish you weren't gonna, gonna have to face. And you're like, man, you know what? Where's the goodness of God right now? Listen, we live in an imperfect world among imperfect people, which we add to that number. But one thing you must know is that God is love and God is good, God is kind, and God is merciful. And what, what do we mean when we say God is merciful and gracious? God doesn't Thank God we don't get what our sins deserve. Thank God that we aren't a lump sum of all the mistakes we've ever made in the past. God shows his loving kindness every day that he allows America to continue on with what he sees in America. The psalmist says, how kind the Lord is, how good he is, so merciful, this God of ours. He's wanting you and I to know it's not just his God, he wants to be your God. He wants to help you, which brings me to number three. God protects us. God protects us. If there's ever been a time we need to hear that, is it in, in this season? 
We need to know God protects us. Listen, even if something is knocking at your door, even if something's threatening your very life, no matter what, listen, a child of God can always know that whether here or in eternity in heaven, we are covered underneath the, the shelter of his wings. We are, we are protected as children. And by the way, we're all children when it comes to God. We're not equals. We are children of God. Thank God we aren't God. You know, we'd be very limited. We, we, and, and, and it says the Lord protects those of childlike faith. Listen, sometimes your faith has to be just like a child. Because if you think too much like an adult, you, you, you start thinking on just, um, you know, humanizing this and humanizing that. A child just believes God and just trusts God. And you've got to trust God. Just like a child wants to build a trust a parent, you have to know that God is good, God is kind, God is love. God protects you. Listen, morning, day, or night, no matter what you hear, no matter what brings fear the most in your life, you need to know that God's protection, his hedge of protection is over you at all times. But number four, God gives us soul rest. God gives us soul rest. Our soul is our very being, okay? So um, when, when my dad, for instance, passed away, his body gave way, okay? But his soul, his very being, went straight to heaven because we were made for eternity. Our souls will live on somewhere, but oftentimes, our, the state of our soul, the peace of our soul, it determines how we feel and, and, and how things are in our life. You need to know that God wants to, to soothe your soul, not just um, your symptoms. He doesn't want to just fix your problems. He wants to settle you and assure you that no matter what, the level and the, and the um, number of your problems you can still find peace. You can find soul rest. The psalmist says, let my soul be at rest again, for the Lord has been good to me. I'm, I'm assuming, once again, David was dealing with something that was unsettling him. That's life, isn't it? It just keeps, you, you know, as soon as you feel like you're settled about one thing, there's a new challenge, there's a new trouble, because troubles are constant. You need to hear that God can give you soul rest. He can give you peace even when there's chaos. But number five, God saves us. God saves us. If God never did another thing ever for any of us in Christ, if he never did anything else for us except save our soul from hell and destine us for, to heaven just because of our faith in, in his son, Jesus, and his death, burial, and resurrection for our, the forgiveness of our sin and the promise of eternal life, you, you've got to understand, listen, God literally saved your soul from hell. How easily, how quickly we forget that. He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. You know what's so awesome about things in Christ is that no matter what comes our way, even if we're wiped out right this very moment, nothing to fear, nothing to fear, not if you've got faith. By the way, we had some, some people here at the first service. Um, uh, Y'all remember hearing about those... Uh, campgrounds, I think in North Carolina or wherever, that got flooded out. Um, that was uh, a couple that's in our church. Um, that was a, their favorite campground. 
In fact, um, some friends of theirs that they knew very, very well, um, their life was taken. Um, and guess what? Um, only their camper and like one or two other campers in that whole campground didn't even get touched. You know, I just, I, I told them, I said, that's just a sign even of God's protection. That even if they were there, do you see what I'm saying? Even if they were there, wouldn't have been touched. It's crazy. I mean, everything else was just white out. I mean, one person saw their husband of, of age 73 or so just taken. But guess what? As we talked about, listen, when we know that we have our faith secure in Jesus Christ, even the worst, greatest fear of losing our life, which, de listen, death is the greatest fear of all mankind. I don't care what anybody says. I know it because I've been around enough death. Death is one of the greatest things that people fear. But guess what? In Christ, you don't even have to fear death. It's nothing to fear. The moment you take your last breath here, you take your first breath there, and you're like, man, this is awesome. So it, it, it's, it's because of his kindness. Number six, God cares deeply for us. You need to know that God cares deeply for you. There's never a time in your life that God is not concerned about the things in your life or care about how you feel, what you're going through, what you're dealing with. God always cares, which is, which is one more great reason to run to him in prayer is knowing that he's always sitting there. He's always ready. He's, listen, God's not going to lead you to anything that's not good. God's not trying to take things from you. God's trying to give life to you. And we'll talk about that again here in a moment. But you need to know that God cares deeply for you. Regardless of what you feel like life has dealt you, God loves you more than anybody ever will or ever can. But number seven, God sets us free to live. God sets us free to live. You say, well, how does he set us free to live? Well, first of all, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, you are no longer um, bound by yesterday's mistakes. He forgives you of your sins. The Bible says he, he just totally forgives you of everything. He throws your sin as far as the east is from the west. Your past becomes just a part of your God story. God uses it to show his glory. He uses it to say, hey, this person once was bound by these things. Now they're here. This person didn't deserve this, but now they have this in Christ. Listen, when you come to Christ, you're set free because you are no longer having to um, uh, live uh, as a victim of your shortcomings. You also are able to look towards the future with eternal hope. It sets you free to live. Listen, anybody in this season, regardless of how you feel about this, this COVID season, the person who's in Christ is free to live because they do know Christ. And Christ makes all the difference. Christ is the bridge. If not for the cross, you can't get to paradise. And when you know that you have Christ as your Savior and Lord, you know that you can overcome anything, you can get through anything, and that the future is always bright. So look at what the psalmist says in, in verse 16. He says, O oh Lord, I am your servant. Yes, I am your servant, born into your household. You have freed me from my chains. You can be free. You, you, listen, you can be free to the degree that you're willing to turn everything over to the Lord. You've all, you're always living in one or two modes, by the way. Either things are on your shoulders or you're putting things on his shoulders. If you're like me, every now and then you become a little bit of an Indian giver. 
you know, you, you, you're, you're giving it to him, but, but five minutes later you took it back. Christ came, the Bible says, to set us free. Now I want you to look at how we should respond to God. What should we do on our part? Not what has God done for us, but what does God want us to do? Number one thing God wants you to do, truly love the Lord. God, who the Bible says so loved you that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life, the same God that loves you incredibly, all he's asking you to do back is to love him, is to love him. And he says, by the way, he says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, you will seek my will. If you love me, you will trust me. There's so many things connected to that. The psalmist here says, I love the Lord because. Sometimes you need to remember all the reasons why you should love the Lord. If for no other reason, because he gave his life for you. Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to die in hopes to live with you instead of having to live without you. But secondly, he wants you to pray without ceasing. God wants us to pray without ceasing. Now, my, my son over here, he taught me several years ago, actually. He was in the back seat of the car. He said, Daddy, I got two superpowers. I said, okay. I said, what are those? He said, love and prayer. Listen to me. Doesn't matter what your age is, you need to understand those things are superpowers. Love builds a bridge. And I want you to write this down. Love builds a bridge. Prayer changes things. Love builds a bridge. Prayer changes things. I've never seen that not work. I have never not had it work. I've, I've never not had success in ministry if I keep doing those things. The psalmist says, Verse 2, because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Why would you not pray if God's always available? Think about it. Why would you not turn things over to God when God is greater and God knows greater than you do about any situation? Why would you not turn to a God who is ready and willing to help you anytime, anywhere? Oftentimes, we all know it's the truth. Prayer becomes our last response instead of our, our, our last resort instead of our first response. It needs to be the first response. God continues to teach that to me is you have to ask yourself before you say it, before you do it, have I prayed about it? He says he bends down to listen, so I will pray as long as I have breath. I believe the older you get, the more you go, hey, you know what? Uh, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I think it's only foolishness of anyone living in this day and time, in this life, in this world, of all of his twists and turns, why, why would we think that we're in control? How could we put confidence in ourselves? Which brings me to number three. We need to walk with the Lord. We need to walk with the Lord. Some people, in fact, they flood churches. They're trying to work for the Lord. In technicality, we all, yes, are to be his workers, his servants, his disciples, but you don't do God's work. You walk with God and let God work through you. I want you to understand that there's a great difference. I can either try my best to be the best pastor I can be or the best pastor God can make me be. 
It's taken me 28 years of ministry to understand that I can just be up here. I don't have a bunch of notes written down, just so you know. I don't have hardly nothing. I don't got nothing but what you got. I wish I had more. God's just said, hey, it's not about you, Craig. It's about you walking with me. If you walk with me, I'll work through you. You've got to get to where you aren't self-reliant, but that you're God-reliant. Because it's really easy for you to put together your own plans. I've told you before, what, what keeps me in Walterboro, what keeps me in ministry? The Lord. The Lord. I'm like, okay, God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do this week? Well, I want you to minister to Walterboro, South Carolina, and beyond, and just keep doing whatever I tell you to do. A lot of times God changes things up for me. Um, it, it, you know, a lot of times in your life, um, as you move from, from player to coach, you have to, you know, it, God changes sort of your role, maybe how things look now or how things used to look. You got to figure out what God wants now. You got to make sure that every day you wake up, you're putting your little hand in God's big hand and you're saying, God, wash your will for my life. What's the next step you want me to make in ministry? I'm typically, I'm saying, God, who do you want me to call? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to say yes to? Who do you want me to say no to? I say a lot of no's in my life these days. I say no so that I can be available to say yes when God says go. Because, it's, again, it's not about me putting together my itinerary for the week. Maybe you've already got your week planned out, but I'm telling you, I caution you, don't keep putting together your itinerary. Ask God to guide you as you seek your itinerary. Psalm 116 verse 9 says, And so I walk in the Lord's presence as long as I live here on earth. Listen, the more you walk with God and you see the difference that makes, the more you're going to want to walk with God. And you can't, it's like, listen, once you've walked closely with God and then all of a sudden you change that up and you become distance, it's like, it's like before you were on oxygen and now you're, you're, you're not, you don't have that oxygen. By the way, you're just a prayer away with getting close to God. He'll forgive you the moment that you ask for his forgiveness and you can draw right back close to him by grace through faith. But you need to walk with the Lord. You need to love the Lord and you need to walk with the Lord. But number four, believe in him. Sometimes it's just simply the truth. You gotta believe. You gotta believe. You cannot dodge this thing called faith. There's always this element of faith that we have to have, that God's got a greater plan, that God is doing something, that God will take care of this, God will take care of that. Psalm 116 verse 10 says, I believe in you, so I said, I am deeply troubled, Lord. Why is he turning to the Lord? Because he believes God cares for him. He believes God will come through for him. He believes that God will help him. Asher, of, uh, believe it or not, he, he, when I asked him yesterday, um, did he want to preach? And he's like, well, yeah. And um, I was like, I, I wasn't really surprised by that. So I said, Asher, I want you to share with me, based on what you know Daddy's preaching on, just the title of it, what you feel like the people need to hear. So this is Asher Crosby's first words up here in a, in a, in a message. This is what he said the people need to hear. He said, troubles happen a lot of times. All you have to do is believe in Jesus so that Jesus can make things right. 
He said, Jesus will help you out with anything you have trouble with. Out of the mouth of babes. But I want you to understand, that's a word from the Lord today. That, that listen, troubles happen. As he said a lot of times, if he can understand that at 11, you ought to understand that by now in your age. Troubles are constant, but God is still good. God is still there. And God can take you through anything, anytime, anywhere. But number five, give him your anxiety. Give God your anxiety. Had someone <laughs> tell me a while back that... um. Uh, I didn't understand anxiety because um, anxiety didn't exist when I was growing up. I'm like, hmm. I recognize the fact that mental health is taken a whole lot more seriously these days, and that's good. And it's talked about a lot more these days. And I realize there's a lot of things that breathe anxiety, especially just even the presence of social media and the internet, okay? There's, there's a lot of things that are more in people's face and, and that type of stuff. But I want you to hear me. Anxiety's not a new thing. It's not a new thing. In Scripture, uh, and, and David, uh, you know, talks about it. Psalm 116, verse 11, he says, In my anxiety, I cried out to you. Do you know even Jesus, the Son of God, had anxiety? The Bible says that his, his soul was overwhelmed with grief to the point of death. That was before he ever even got on the cross. He was eat up with anxiety. Listen, God wants you to give him your anxiety. He doesn't want you to let it just bag up on your life, keep creeping up on your shoulders. I often say this, it's like cancer. You want to catch it early. You want to give it to God quick. You want to give it to him often. The moment that it comes on you, you want to put it on him. Used to. I used to always write down people's prayer requests. Sometimes I do. Most of the time I don't. Because in today's time, you can't keep up with every prayer request, so this is what I try to do. I either try to pray with you right then, or the moment I get off with you, I go ahead and, and pray right then. You just want to give it to God. Listen, whether you're taking it on for a friend or family member, you still want to give it to God. You still, you wanna, sometimes you have to pray for other people's anxiety because they are just too anxious and overwhelmed to even pray for their own anxiety. So you got to cast all of your cares on the Lord. Why? Because Scripture says God cares for you. But number six, in the midst of whatever you're dealing with, keep praising him. Keep praising him. Anytime all you're fixed on is the troubles, all you will feel is troubled. Anytime the, 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 the focal point of your life is the struggles and the troubles, that's not a good day. It doesn't, nobody feels good when all they can see is the bad stuff. We talked about last week how the Lord wants us to continually focus on the things that are praiseworthy. Remember what God's done before and even take note of what God is doing. Don't just focus in on what you wish God would do, but what is God doing? What is he doing because of the situation? What is he doing because of the heartache? How is he using the pain? How is he using this or that to, to get you where you need to get, to maybe draw your family to where they need to get? There's so many different ways of opportunity, especially in the midst of troubles. David said this in verses 12 through 13 and 17 and 19. He said, what can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? 
I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. He said, praise the Lord. Listen, there is always a reason to praise the Lord. It may be because you're breathing. It may be because you have gotten through the struggle. It may be that one of your children has finally come to their senses. It may be because, by the grace of God, your marriage is still hanging on. The, it's endless. God's comfort in your life, God's purpose in your life, God's salvation in your life. Again, if he never does anything else for you, but you wake up understanding, hey, today I'm just one day closer to heaven that I didn't deserve, but by grace through faith in Christ, I'm headed. There's always some reason to praise the Lord. Now, I know you know this passage, but maybe you want to write it down. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. What does it say? It says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God with thanksgiving. And then it says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You cannot have peace without giving God what is heavy on your heart mixed with praising God for how he's blessed your heart. It's a combo of those two things. But last but not least, number seven, keep your vows to him. Keep your vows to him. Now, some of you are going, well, you know, what are, what are vows? It's, it's, it's promise. It's promises. I've got a couple that um, uh, I'll be marrying this, this coming weekend. And um, uh, I, I, I was talking with them about their vows. And and I was thinking in light of this, um, this service that, that, you know, the vows, it doesn't matter whether they're traditional or, or, or personally written, the vows of a marriage still matter today. I mean, let me let you understand how they matter because when you really mean something, you'll be able to weather things that a lack of commitment won't weather. Okay, so when two people say, hey, I do, I do commit my love to you for better or worse, for sick, sickness or in health, for rich or for poor. If two people mean that and two people keep following Christ, that those vows will not be broken. That's easier said than done, amen? All right? I want any of you to hear me when I say this. I know that marriage is a struggle. I know that there's been plenty of times that, thank God, my wife was married to me, and she meant her vows. Okay? I've told you before, even though it's been years, I've seen taillights. But you know what? Just like the vows bring her back, the vows bring me back. And by the way, tomorrow's 24 years, okay, since we, we've been married, and I want you to understand it's because two people are constantly just saying, hey, what do we do to get through this, not how do we get out of this? Your relationship with the Lord is just the same. Most people want to negotiate with God, and they go, God, if you do this, or if you don't let this happen, or what have you, if you do this or you don't do that, then I'll do this. That is a conditional commitment. Listen, God has loved you unconditionally, and you need to unconditionally commit your life to him. 
Listen, the moment that you really mean you're surrendered to Christ, your life changes. Not because everything around you changes, but because you change. You're no longer marching to the beat of your own drum. You're no longer calling your own shots. You're no longer trying to piece together the plans. You're seeking God wholeheartedly and saying, God, I will keep my promises to you. I will fulfill my vows to you from this day forward. Until the day I draw my last breath, I am going to live for you, and I want my life to bring glory to you. God, take it all. Use me. Lead me, even through the troubles. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I know that, that, that you, uh, despite me, have spoken to different ones' hearts. God, I pray that they would feel your love, they would hear your voice and that their faith would be encouraged. God, I pray for that person right now that just feels absolutely overwhelmed. I pray they know, Lord, that you can handle their overwhelmness. God, for that person that is just consumed with anxiety, Lord, just as we've all experienced, Lord, may they give it all to you. May they cast all their cares upon you, Lord, knowing that you care for them. God, we give you what is going on in our lives. We give you what's going on in our families, in our friends, and in this world. Lord, it is troubling. But you tell us to take heart, Lord, because even in the troubles, you have overcome the world and you can give us peace despite the chaos and even in the chaos. God, we give you our hearts and lives today. I pray that if there's anyone here today that's not yet trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, that today would be the day that they admit their sins and they believe in you, Jesus, God's Son, that you died on that cross for their sins so that they could be forgiven, so that, Lord, they could also overcome death and have eternal life in heaven. Lord, I pray that they would believe in you, in your death, burial, and resurrection. And they would make you and declare that you are their Savior and their Lord. And Lord, if we know you and we've trusted you with our lives, God, there's nothing to fear except fear itself. Great are you, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for all that you're doing. And we thank you, Lord, that no matter what comes our way, as long as we're putting our little hand in your big hand, God, you're going to walk us through it, God. We might walk through the fire, but we will not be burned. We may go through discouragement, Lord, but, but we will still have hope. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. This altar is open. I'm available here if you'd like to speak with me. Would you stand with us, please, as we uh, sing with these guys?